Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. I have a, a special guest, a special treat for you today. I love, listen, I love when anybody that I work with, anybody that's been working with me, for anybody that's been on our team, I love it when they take a step out of their normal and, and trust God and believe for bigger things. That's good, amen? I don't, I never, I never want you to, under, to, to get the impression or the idea that, that I think that, you know, this, this is my domain right here. Nobody better touch this. And this is all me and nobody else can. I, I believe God speaks to all of us. Amen. And I believe God puts words in us and I believe there's seasons for each of us to come and share. And so I love it when, when people in the team, when people in the church have God put something in their heart to share. And so that has happened, and so this is the time, and so I want to welcome, please, Melissa. Put your, put your hands together and encourage her. You already know there's trouble when Melissa's in a running suit. You know, he's right. There's a lot of times when we do stuff that's outside of our comfort zone, and I am definitely uncomfortable. So these are one of those times. But we're going to talk about running today. And where's Jennifer? Is Jennifer here? Jennifer doesn't know it, but she preached part of my sermon and what she said this morning. It goes so well with what I'm going to talk about today, and I'm really excited about that. That blessed me as she began to speak and share this morning. But we're going to talk about running. And we're going to talk about the race. And I've called today, where are you positioned in the race? So I just want you to keep that in mind as you think about it. So how did this come up? Well, a few weeks ago, um, one of the pastors, another pastor from another church came. I think it was Pastor Ray. I'm not sure. And he began to speak. And as he began to speak, I got this picture like this, really, this picture in my head, and I saw these runners, but it wasn't just like any runner. I think I lost my prop along the way. Where is my baton? Okay, well, I lost it along the way if somebody could find it. But anyway, I saw this picture of these athletes, and they were like huge, and they were runners, and as I watched them, thank you, as I watched them run, they just became more and more beautiful and they were fast and they were fluid and they were graceful and they would say stick and they would hand it to the next and it was like one movement one movement and they would just keep running and running and it was but the bodies looked beautiful and as I watched it they were getting bigger and bigger and I'm like okay well this pastor's preaching and I'm not paying attention so and finally I had to take out a piece of paper and just start jotting some notes down because I really felt God was speaking to me and that he was showing me that that race and those runners and that baton symbolized our walk with the Lord and the growth of our church 
And I saw that baton as, as ministry, as growth, as the word of God. And the runners were the individual people. And as they would pass it on, the runners would get bigger because as individuals, we would grow and the church would grow and it got bigger and bigger. And just, it was beautiful and it was excellent, the race that they were running. And I had to say to myself, well, God, how do I become that? How do I get to be one of those runners? You know, how am I going to help my church run? How am I going to do my leg of the race? How do I become like one of those runners? And the Lord spoke to me and said, well, Melissa, before you can even run, there's a time of preparation. See, those runners didn't get that way just, you know, they just said, okay, here I go, because who knows? I mean, look at me. I did run one time in my life, but look at me now. You know that there is no way that I, maybe I could run from here to the bottom of the stairs. And after that, forget it. You need an oxygen tank, right? So he said, Melissa, there's a time of preparation. There's a time of preparation. And so I said, okay, well, let me not even look at the race yet. And I looked in, in um, Corinthians because I started to, this race, I was obsessed with this race thing. Every time a sermon came, every time something happened, it would bring me back to the race. Pastor George began talking about struggles and this whole series on struggles. And I said, yeah, sometimes there's hurdles in a race. You know, I just kept coming back to it. And I looked in the Bible and in the word, it mentions a race about eight times. And usually it's the apostle Paul that's talking about the race. And here in first Corinthians uh, 924, he said, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize. And that's going to be, you know, our basis of our scripture for this morning. And I started looking at it and I said, you know, and then I started looking, I looked at the scriptures of the race, some of which I'll use today. And I started looking at the components of a race. I never realized how many rules and regulations there are to this little thing with a baton running. I thought, it's easy. You run, you pass, and the one who gets at the end of the line wins. But there's all sorts of things along the way of the race that can cause the team to get disqualified. So in the relay, and that's basically the race we're looking at today, in a relay race, it's usually four-man leg race. They pass a baton. They must pass the baton. First of all, they can't have a false start getting out of the gate because if you get two false starts, you're out. If you run and you drop the baton, guess what? You may be out. If you collide with another player, you're out. And you have to pass the baton, which in this certain exchange, the exchange zone. So I started out with the conditioning and I said, okay, God, how do I get to be one of these runners? And the Lord said, you know, Melissa, when runners run, a lot of times they do hill training. And I said, well, why hill training? Well, I remember from when I used to run long distance, we used to have this hill called cardiac hill that our coach made us run. Why? Because he said, Melissa, when you're running on even terrain, it's very easy. 
It's easy to run. But what the hill prepares you for, it prepares you to press in, to just press, to dig in. And if you can dig in hard up those hills, you make up time because running down is easy and people usually let up. What they don't let up on is the pressing into the hill. So he used to take us to this hill, cardiac hill, and if we would start walking up this steep hill, he'd be like, no, run. And you had to press and you had to press. But when you got into the other side, wow, you were already at full speed and you could just drig straight down. And I looked at those hills and those hard times. Sometimes it's hard to be a Christian, but we have to learn how to press in, how to keep going despite the circumstances, the situations, our feelings, where we are. And we need to press in. Why? Because that, that downhill is, go, is coming just around the corner. So he said, before you can even line up, there's some hill training that needs to be done. Sometimes people start in ministry, but there's no acknowledgement of what they're doing, or it's hard, or they don't have the finances, or people step out on them. And so those, that, that hill training prepares us for those things. There's also long distance running. And why do you do long distance running to train to a, for a relay? Why have a relay person run eight miles a day? Because that gives them endurance to help them not give up, to help them keep fighting. Many of you know last weekend, I was with, um, I was in Florida. I was supposed to actually preach this this last Sunday, but my uncle passed away. And so I went to Florida to be with my family. And I looked at my grandmother and I said, how is this woman walking? She's buried two sons, a husband, and I could see the pain in her face. But you know what? She is a great prayer warrior. And she's had some long distance running. She is 82 years old. And she still gets up every morning and she prays at five o'clock in the morning. And even in her pain, she cried. I listened to her in her room crying on her knees, but she was praising and she was worshiping because why? Because she knows she's run that long distance. And she knows that even though I'm hurting now, my God is my provider. He's my strength. He's my deliverer. He's my refuge. He's my portion. He's my strong tower. And she's run that long distance. So when something like this happens, she can stand because she knows the God that she serves and she knows to hear his voice so it said Melissa the problem with 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 you maybe even sometimes is that we train we learn the word of God we do certain things but then as we we get busy in works and this is what God was speaking to me personally you get busy in doing the ministry but you forget your time with me you forget that that a runner doesn't just train once and then give up a runner keeps himself in a position where he's able to run at all times. So, Melissa, you need to just step back from all the running you're doing and the ideas and the creating and the this and the that, and you need to, to go back into conditioning. You need to come to me in your prayer closet. You need to study these words because these are the guidelines of the race. These are the rules. And if I don't know them, if I don't study them, if I don't get to learn them, then how can I follow them? How can, I, how can I hear him if I don't know what he's talking to me about? So it's so important to spend time reading the word. If you don't understand it, find someone who does. You know, it doesn't have to be this great, intense, going to Bible school and whatever. God is amazing how he reveals his word to us. And that's the problem. We have a lot of Christians that at the beginning of the race, and, and we can all, I guarantee you that if I asked you, how many of you know someone that was on fire for God, loving God, running is no longer running. It's not even in church. We can, I'm sure we could, most of us would be able to lift up our hands. Why? Because they weren't prepared. They weren't, they didn't know the word. They didn't know. And they just began to run and they got one of those false starts. But thankfully 
We serve a God like we sang about today. He loves us, and he loves us so much that he doesn't disqualify us at the start line. You can, you can get up to the gate time and time and time again because the greatest thing about a race that I found out, there's this one official that officiates the whole race. Sometimes a drop baton is not considered out. Sometimes another team player is able to pick it up and keep running. And that's the God that we serve. He said, no, 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 you're not out because my grace has covered you. My son has made the, the sacrifice and you can come and you can start at that gate again. So this morning, if you're someone that's been positioned, maybe apart from the race, you've been out of the race a long time, God tells you it's okay. There's nothing that you could have done, you would have done, you could have thought that you can't line up again to run. Okay? So he just encourages you to be prepared. Well, I'm going to ask Pastor George to come up. You're going to help me here. We get out of the starting gate. Remember, when you pass this baton within the exchange zone, you have to say, stick. Why do you say stick? Because that runner is already running. The second runner should already be running. So when you say stick, he knows. He has his hand out. He knows it's coming. And then he can pass it on. So the Lord gives Pastor George a vision to build a church, and he goes, stick. Start running. You don't have to run. <laughs> you can walk just pretend okay but but keep going so he gives pastor george a vision to run he says i want you to create a church that's going to serve people where they're going to enjoy god and they're going to build healthy families and he begins to do that and many of us are here today because he ran because he chose to believe because he knew god would give him the energy that he needed to do that but you know what he can't keep running alone because guess what because even if i ask him to keep walking around this church what's going to happen exactly <laughs> he's gonna get tired thank you just hold on to it he's gonna get tired he can't do it all by himself have you ever heard seen a person in a four relay run the whole race by themselves impossible impossible so what happens pastor George is running with his baton he wants to yell stick but the baton drops a lot of times we, and I'm going to say we because let me tell you, I'm going to tell you about my baton drop a little later. But, you know, a lot of times we drop the baton in the exchange zone. And when I started to look at that, I thought of people who are so great. They're so wonderful in ministry. They have so many talents and the abilities, but they just drop it. But there's a huge problem with that because there are three other people that are waiting to run. So if you drop that baton, if you give up, guess what? They never get a chance to run. This is a team sport. So if you drop that baton or if you never run, there are lives that are waiting for you to pour into them, to give to them, to share with them. They'll never reach their potential. Their race is done. Because a lot of times when you're running, you need to make a visual behind you. And I know there's been many people in my life, leaders that have disappointed me, leaders that have hurt me, congregations. I mean, I know we could all talk about being hurt and offended and all that stuff. But I was looking at them. And I have to tell you, there were times when I saw people give up and I wanted to give up too. It's kind of like the kids. When you tell kids, you know, we, parents always say tell kids what not to do but sometimes they're not being the example of what not to do. And kids will normally do what they see and not what they hear. So it's the same thing. I've seen so many people start out with a ministry and then they drop the baton. They leave, they go, they're nowhere to be found. And there were people there that, in, in, that, that are left there. You meant something to them. You, you did something in their heart and they, they needed more so that they could run. 
So I encourage you today, if you're someone that feels like you've dropped the baton, there's something in the rules that says it can still be picked up. Okay? So we don't want the whole team to get disqualified. The problem is, is that if you drop the baton, that first runner, Pastor George, would have just a little bit of room to pick up the baton and hand it to the next player because the exchange zone is not that big. So if you don't get it within that time, your team is disqualified. There are also people in ministry who are superstars. They can do it all. They can sing. They can play an instrument. They can dance. They're good at creating things. They're intelligent. They're powerful speakers. And sometimes they don't want to pass the baton. Why? Well, you know, that person just wouldn't do it as good. Or maybe, you know, um, uh, maybe I wouldn't be as needed in the race if I give over some of my responsibilities and stuff like that. And what I've seen is that in a race, you know that all the runners are not equal? Usually the second runner, the second fastest runner is first. And I put Pastor George first because I believe that someday there's going to be someone that's going to rise up that's going to be an even greater pastor, an even greater encourager, an even greater, because I think the, the greatest um, compliment that you can give a leader is that you've raised up a disciple that's even greater than yourself. Right? So, so they put their second runner first. Not all the runners are equal. Sometimes you have a, a runner that's a little slower, but they're equally as important in the race. So Pastor George, if you can just give that, pass that baton over to Jesse. All right, so Pastor George is building this church, but he needs help. So he hands it over to Jesse. Stick, and in the beginning, in the beginning, She's the only one that's here. So she does the accounting and she helps with starting out the children's church and she's doing all the tithing and she, wait a minute, wait a minute, we need a school. So she starts a school. She quits her job and she starts a school. Okay, thank you. And I say she starts a school, why? Because it's a small little ministry that's making such great ground in the kingdom of God. So it's something that, you know, who quits their job to start a school? <laughs> All right, Jesse, just hold on to it. Okay, but you know what? From there, she brought on Jennifer, and Toyin is now helping, and Michelle comes in and helps. So we begin to spread out, and now they're running in that area of ministry, maybe even a ministry that they weren't prepared to run or don't feel equipped, but they're running with the power and the belief that God is able. So not all the players are equal, but everyone is needed. Last week, my husband, or two weeks ago, came home. Is he here today, Mark? He is. Who is he? Person sitting behind Mike? Israel. Okay. Israel, I heard about you. I didn't even know who you were. Last night, the runners are running. They make the exchange. Jessie's now running her leg. When you make the exchange, the fastest runners, they start that player ready to receive. He starts going like this, right? But he has to make a visual of everything that's coming. Why? Because if he doesn't have some visual out of the corner, he's not gonna catch that stick. The baton is gonna drop. Well, in ministry, a lot of times I've heard, everything's being done already. There's nothing for me to do. Or they're doing it, but they, can't, they say that there's a need, there's a need. They can't tell me what it is that they need. Or, I don't know, well, maybe I'll go somewhere else because I can't head it up. But you know, what God is asking us to do really 
because we're going to go to a new church. That church is big. That community is waiting for us. God is saying, make a visual of what's around you and what is needed and pick up that baton and run, run. And I heard about Israel because Israel and Israel, you know, I'm sh- I, I don't know you, but I'm imagining what you thought. Um, so <laughs> I'm sure Israel thought, wow, they're moving to a new place. Wow, that place is big. I always hear them here saying they need help cleaning the church. I always hear them here saying they need uh, a work day just to clean it up because it's so big that the families, man, I've heard Jesse say, you know, Mark and Mo come in sometimes when they can't clean the church and they're here early cleaning the church. And he says, wow, there's a real need on that cleaning ministry. Instead of saying, Mark, uh, sign me up to be one of those people, he begins to do this. And he comes up to Mark, who's in charge of coordinating the people, and he says, Mark, when we get to that new church, I'm going to be the janitor. I'm going to clean the church. That's going to be my responsibility. Because he said, he saw out of the corner of this eye, there's a need that I can fill. And maybe then if I begin to fill it, the other people are like the icing on the cake. Maybe I can do the deep cleaning, but on Sunday morning, Lisa can come in and just do the pulpit. Or even then, they're released to do other things. Because guess what? A lot of people on that cleaning ministry do a lot of other things in the church and I for one would be very happy if I don't have to be here at 7:30 in the morning to clean so I'm thankful Israel that you made a visual with that person running and it frees up Mark maybe now Mark can keep track of the supplies we always say how did we run out of this how because there's so much that's needed so I encourage you today if you don't know what position you are in the race begin to make a visual of what's needed begin to look around at the ministries begin to ask questions because you know what I believe that there's so many ministries and areas of place that we can work that we haven't even tapped yet. There's so much, wow, there's so much. Because I know in my head there's a lot of stuff that I would love to do. But we know that I'm not doing it because I'm already running in a different area. So (laughs) that's what I want to do and I can't. So I just encourage you today to make a visual. And make sure when you make that visual that you are in a position to receive it. Because sometimes there are people who say, oh, I'll help, and they're ready to start running, but they're not properly positioned. Maybe there are things in their life that keep them from running, or maybe there are areas that need to be changed before you can start to run. So the visual has to be on both parties, the person who's passing the baton and the person who's receiving it. Make that visual. Make sure that before you, you, you do something that you're in a position that, yes, you can grab it and just keep running with it. A lot of times we don't run because we're not in a position to receive it. And we also said at the beginning, sometimes you're not prepared to receive it. So it takes both parties. There's a lot of reasons why you're not um, prepared. We talked about, you know, being late, no one's told you what to do, or you start and you don't feel like you're adding anything, don't feel like you're doing anything to it. But a lot of times when you just stay in a place and observe, God will speak to you and tell you where it is that you're needed. And I know that I want a church, as I was looking at this this race, I want a church that's capable of the double baton pass. Because remember, the fastest team usually makes the quick, fast, safe exchange within the exchange zone. Well, some of these teams, you know how they train? If I'm running with my right hand in the baton, I pass it to the left. If I'm running with my left hand, I pass it to the right. So they train just being able to pass it like this to take inches off their time. I want us to be a body that's so in our word, that's so trained up in the things of the Lord, that Pastor George doesn't have to be preaching every Sunday because somebody else is going to come and is just as equipped to preach. Or somebody can step in. I went to Florida. Thank you. 
thank you, thank you for, you know, Jennifer and, and whoever did Children's Church and, you know, and, and Margie and Candace who are back there now because I'm supposed to be here now. They said, okay, Mo, and they just stepped in. So I pray that we would raise a body of believers that are ready at any notice to just step in to somebody else's position. A lot of times there are other things that happen in the race that keep us from running. We start running. How many of you, I don't know, I, I'm not very coordinated. People laugh at me that, that I've seen me dance or attempt to dance or do something like that. But I love to, but I'm just not good at it. Even, you know, worship dancing. I remember one time I was all excited and Jesse told me I looked like I was doing aerobics. But it's okay. Because, because I, because, and I do, because that's all I can do is this. But it's okay, because I love to do it anyway. So if you see me doing it, you can laugh, but I still love to do it. Anyway, a little off there. Okay, so then sometimes there are things that we get tripped up over our own feet. And those things that trip us up, or maybe those things that keep us from running, or maybe those things that keep us on the sidelines. There are a lot of people here that I know you have tremendous talents, but you never quite pick up the baton or get into the race. And I think that there's things that keep us from doing that. And there were five things that I thought about, and one of them was fear. Some of us are afraid to try. Some of us are afraid of being rejected. Some of us are afraid it won't be good enough. Some of us are afraid, well, what if we fail and then drop it later on so we never get in? Others of us have a lot of anger. I know we've all been angry at times. And I know that anger, I've been running the race, and there are times that anger has come in, and it takes a root. And it just begins to fester. And have you ever noticed that you can be so angry and the other person's la, 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 like there's nothing wrong whatsoever? Because the anger is your problem. And we need to remove that root of anger because though that anger, that fear, the other area, the worry, those things, depression, they weigh our race down. It's hard to run when I'm feeling depressed and I don't even want to go out of bed get out of bed. It's hard to run when I'm worried about, well, what if I, I, I disappoint my team? Or, or, and then the last area, which I think we spoke about a little bit today with those emitting frequencies, what are we emitting, is car what I call carnality. I love that word. It's so ugly, right? Carnality. And what do I mean by carnality? I'm talking about lust. I'm talking about greed. I'm talking about sexual immorality. I'm talking about addictions. I'm talking about those vices, those things in our life that, we're no that we know are not right. Even if we never read a word in the Bible, we would know that the things that we're doing are not right. True? Okay. So I'm talking about those things keep our race from running. You can't run if you're, okay, this is not my area either, but you can't run if you're smoking weed the night before and you come in and you still have that buzz. Can you still have that buzz after that? I don't know. But you come in and you're sitting, and you're sitting in church. How can you receive that? As Jen said, what frequency are you emitting? Because even a mighty army of God that's going to go and take the land has to have training. There has to be preparation. You have to be positioned in a way. An, an, an army moves very beautifully. Have you ever seen those army drills and how they sneak into here and say, there's a lot of training that takes place. And it's very similar to a race. To In a race, if you're running the race and you're your co-runners know that all this stuff is weighing you down and is on you. They know that that's affecting your race. People see it on your face, on your countenance. You can't run if all these things are weighing you down. So I encourage you today, if some of you have those giants on your back, don't leave here without being delivered today. Sometimes, another reason we can be disqualified is that a runner interferes with our run interferes with our run. They, um, 
You, you run out of space. Sometimes there's a, you are allowed to change lanes in this relay race, but if you run out of space and you have an exchange and you collide into another player, you are disqualified. I look at those interferences with our run as offenses, as hurts, uh, those hardships that we've had to go through in the church. And sometimes those offenses, those hurts, those run-ins cause injuries. Jesse, can I have the baton? There was a time in my life, Michelle, if you can get ready, come over here. There was a time in my life that I was running. Man, this was in my old church. I was doing singles ministry. I was worshiping on the worship team. I helped with the Christmas musicals. I visited people's homes. I went on mission trip. I was single. I didn't have anybody to take care of, so it was easy. And I was working two jobs. I was doing all this stuff. Oh, and by the way, an aside, when you're running, Make sure that you know that your wife, your family, they're part of your leg of the race. You can't run and leave them behind. They have to be in condition with you. That's a whole separate sermon. But I wanted to make you know that you have to run with your wife. You have to run with your family. So if those things are in your way of running, you need to uh, get some prep time with your family. So I was by myself. So I was super single, inviting myself to people's homes. I was doing everything. And I got towards the exchange zone. And I was going to pour. There was a bunch of singles that were really on fire for God. And I was ready to go stick. But I collided with a player on my team. And that player was my husband. So for those of you who do know this and don't know this, you're about to know. I collided with my husband. I was very angry. I was 33 years old. And I said, why am I not married? Lord, I work with people all day long at these clinics and they're really ugly, Lord, and they have a husband and they have children. No, really, seriously, I'm gonna be very real, okay? I got angry. I said, you know what, I know I'm a, I'm a little plump, I'll say plump. I'm a little Rubenesque, but God, I'm not disgusting. I'm smart. I, I can sing. I, I'm capable of loving. You know, where is my person? And I went on this trip and everybody was saying, oh, you're going to meet your husband. Single people, don't let anybody tell you, oh, you're going to meet your husband there. Don't even tell single people that. Because you know what? When it doesn't happen, and when it doesn't happen in the right time, you grow discouraged. You grow angry. Those things take root in your heart and you feel unworthy and you feel like you're not good enough. And I had all that stuff going on. Well, what happened is, and then, you know, I, I was in touch so much with Mark in ministry that, you know, a lot of people said, you know, Melissa, you're spending a, a lot of time with Mark, and, and that's not really appropriate, and, you know, you want to guard yourself because something may happen. I even, I was so bitter and angry that I started getting angry at them for telling me the very things that I knew. So what happened? I said, well, you know what? Everybody thinks I'm doing it anyway, so who cares? And I'm not using that as an excuse because I made a choice to sin. And we... We engaged in a sexual relationship. <laughs> it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a lot, well, you know, we didn't have a lifestyle of it or whatever, but it only takes once. And I got pregnant. <laughs> okay, this is a very hard time in my life, people. <laughs> I got pregnant. Guess what? I was standing in front of the congregation every Sunday. And I was angry and I was hurt. And when I got pregnant, I'll never forget sitting down in the bathroom all by myself and looking at that stick. And I said, my life is over. I had prided myself. My testimony was, was pretty clean to that point. I was an older person when I had sex. 
I hadn't succumbed to drugs and alcohol and all this other craziness. I had made it through college. I think I had my first real boyfriend after college. Come on, that's, that's pretty huge nowadays. And I was proud of that. My family was proud of that. But most importantly, I had failed God. And I really, really, really loved God. And I said, not only did I hurt me, but I hurt the other person. And my race is done because those teenagers that I used to minister to are never going to look at me the same way. Those parents are going to be angry at me. The worship team, I've disappointed them. My pastor, who's always supported me, what have I done? And let me tell you, it was hard because initially people weren't very supportive and whatever. But remember what I told you before, that if you drop the baton, that the other player can pick it up? Well, I had a really, really, really good friend. And you know what she did for me? She ran my leg. But she didn't just run my leg. She did this. she carried me and she fed me and she loved me and she sat next to me every Sunday and she made sure I was there. Why? Why did she do that? Because she knew, she knew that later on in the race, my life was going to be in a different position and I was going to be ready to say stick and I could run and I was going to move. She believed that it wasn't over. She knew she knew that God didn't disqualify me. She didn't allow me to be counted out. And she carried me. And you know what? I'm heavy. I'm heavy. She didn't know. She knew I was going to do this. She didn't know why. But she didn't even say, Mo, you're kind of heavy for me. I really can't carry you. Never even crossed her mind. The only thing she said was, oh, well, when you come on Wednesday, let's try it to see if I can do it. And she's like, okay, yeah, I can do it. Never asked me why. Never told me, you know, Mo, can you get your husband to do it? Because this is really hard. And I bet you, because I know the type of friend that I have, that if I asked her to keep circling with me on her back, she would have done it. This morning, there are some of you here that maybe feel you're not qualified to run. Maybe because one of those giants are standing in your way. Maybe because you've collided with another player and your life hasn't been what it's supposed to be. Maybe it's because you're afraid to get into the race. But I am thankful that in this church, there are people who are willing to carry you, who are willing to run the race with you, who are willing to help. And sometimes we need to say, help. I said, help. When I found out I was pregnant, I ran to her house. I didn't tell my husband. I, he, he took me there. He didn't realize why he was taking me there. Oh, I got to go see Michelle. I gotta, you know. And I told her first. I told her first. And then I told him. I had to say help, and they did. And they helped us, they encouraged us. They, I, I can't even tell you, but I know that there's people in this place that have done that and have run the race. I don't have a final runner because our church is not finished. We're moving over into St. Peter's Avenue. I wanted to speak with you today because I know that there's a whole bunch of people on St. Peter's Street that need to be reached, that need to be loved on, that need to be encouraged. But I want us to run into that place like a mighty army of God. So we have some weeks of preparation. So this morning, 
I encourage you to start performing fast, safe exchanges in that zone. And I'm going to ask you, where are you positioned today? If you're on the sidelines, I'm going to tell you, jump in. You're not jumping in alone. If you feel that you've gotten those false starts and you start up quick, but then you fail, it's okay. Come back. You're not disqualified. If you're one of those people who says, Melissa, I want to run, but I've messed up or my heart, I have all this weight on me. Well, you know what? We want to pray with you. We want to help you be delivered because you know what? Part of my, when Michelle was carrying me, she gave me time for the Lord to heal me, for the Lord to cleanse me, for the Lord to build me up again, for the Lord to lift up my head. She reminded me of who I am in Christ and we are new creations in Christ. We are more than conquerors. We are heirs to his throne. This morning, it's important to know where we're positioned because there's lots of souls that need to hear it. They need to hear that there's hope, that there's a future. So I'm just going to encourage you, begin to make those visuals and start to run. And this morning as we are here, I look around me and there's like a line that's kind of across, right? So this morning as we close, only you know where you're positioned or where you need to be positioned. But I'm going to ask and say, come. Come to the starting line and let us pray with you. Let us just love on you and, and heal you and put you in a position where you're ready to run again. Pastor George. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.